When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of Bruins Beat, brought to you by CLNS Radio. I'm Mike, joined alongside by Jason, as always. In uh, episode 30, Jason, can you believe you made 30 of these so far? No, it's surreal how we're up to 30 right now. And, you know, we've been we've had 31 weeks and we got 30 episodes, and we've done a great job of showing a lot of consistency in the episodes. And I was looking at it today, and we have improved a ton since the very start. Isn't that crazy? 30 no, it's, episodes. It's, I wouldn't. I never would have thought it would have been 30 episodes. 30 no, episodes and it in. is. Yeah, and it, it it's absolutely crazy. You know, and we've got definitely gotten people Twitter on Twitter involved, and people really enjoy the show from what we've been seeing. So it's been great. Absolutely, it has been great. But um, it's been obviously it's it's kind of tough talking Bruins right now doing these podcasts, so Jason and I have been trying to do some hypothetical stuff to keep the show interesting and still talk about the Bruins, and obviously it's, def- it's definitely been difficult because the Bruins haven't, you know, done too much recently besides the surgeries. I mean, Brad Marchand won gold for the World Championships, but it, if people have been following the show, they know how I feel with the World Championships. I can give, I can, can care less about Brad Marchand winning a gold in the World Championships. Um, the, the only thing I, I've considered over there is uh, Patrick Lane won the MVP for the tournament, and he's not even drafted yet. So take that for what it's worth, but Lane and Matthews were competing for the first overall pick. I still think it's going to be Matthews, but Lane's definitely putting up a fight over there. So that'll be interesting to see come draft time. But, I mean, Toronto does own the number one pick, and Toronto has been such a failure in recent memory that I feel like they're going to make the wrong choice. And as bad as that is, I hope I, – I, I don't know what they're going to do. and I, I just feel like knowing Toronto, they're going to make the wrong choice. Well, yeah, you got to look at Toronto's history, and lately, the last 10, 15 years, it hasn't suited them. I mean, the real big thing going for them is they have Mike Babcock as a coach, and he's got a lot of knowledge in there. Yeah, but so maybe, maybe I wouldn't change. necessarily trust the front office. Right, so maybe, maybe Babcock will get him, get him turned around there. But the one thing I want to touch on quickly first, Jason, is um, I was reading, obviously, I still follow keep up with all the Bruins stuff, and I was reading Flu Shinzawa of the Boston Globe, and he had an interesting article about the Bruins drafting when the Bruins, since when Shirelli was here, and how tra- the drafting has been holding back the Bruins, and I've been saying this for years. I've been saying Peter Shirelli has been a terrible drafter. Nothing has come or produced what he's drafted in. Um, it was a a few year, it was a few years back about how the only two players that played over 50 games that Peter Shirelli drafted for the Bruins was 
Tyler Sagan and Dougie Hamilton. And I look at that and say those were two home run picks that were can't miss prospects. So he drafted two can't miss prospects, and that was it. And nothing else has become of his picks. Nothing. And you go through it, these picks. In 2007, the Bruins had the eighth overall pick. Eight overall pick. They drafted Zach Hamill. Zach Hamill. It was crazy. He was a bust. He was an I remember absolute, him. He was an absolute bust. They drafted him in front of Logan Couture. There was a bunch of other players that they, they drafted in front of, too. It was just Zach Hamill was an absolute disaster. It was one of the worst picks ever for a top 10 pick. They, tra- they ended up trading him to Washington in 2012 for Chris Bork. Chris Bork has barely played for the Bruins also, which goes to show how Zach Hamill's trade value was. He's like, I don't even know where he is right now. He's in, like, Germany or something, or, like, Switzerland. It's yeah, you haven't heard from him. It is crazy. It's, it's absurd. I had no idea. It's, it, oh, man. And then, in 2007, the only, uh, uh, all their five other picks, the only one that's played in the NHL game is Tommy Cross. Tommy, Tommy Cross. And you look at that and you say, and I get it, like, not everyone's going to have a standout draft. You can't always pick, you know, the best players in every single draft. But the way I see it is you got to hit on something, like one pick maybe that plays a few games or one pick that's going to, like, knock on the door. Tommy Cross has played three NHL games. Three. When you went through this, how many names of this were even notable from 2007 forward? I mean, it's crazy. I know, and then it's... He is Joe Colborn. I mean, we all know who Joe Colborn was. He went. He was traded too. But see, Joe Colborn was a first rounder, and he's in. He's playing in Calgary right now. He's a solid depth player, but I mean, he could have probably played on the Bruins. He's a big boy. He, he works hard, but he's only like a fourth or third line guy in Calgary. He, he's not like a stud there. So obviously, he's not like a significant piece that could have helped the Bruins. They had Michael Hodgson, the goalie, who's now in Winnipeg, and now of, and this is in 2008. Joe Colborn was in 2008. They traded him away, and then Michael Hodgson, the goalie, who's now in Winnipeg, who's who's doing okay up there. Uh, who's a third round pick? Of their other four 2008 picks, none of them played in the NHL, not one. In 2009, they drafted Jordan Caron, who I let's not go there. I hate Jordan Caron more than anything. <laughs> in the entire world. I think that guy is. That guy is one of the worst players I've ever watched play in my entire life. I hate him. I hate him. He didn't him. go far in St. Louis. They benched him quickly in St. Louis, too. In St. Louis, you said? Yep. Yeah, that's who they traded him to, right? No, they traded him to Colorado. For Max Talbot. That's how bad it was. They traded him for Max Talbot. Straight I up. I could have sworn, I sworn it was he Colorado that traded him to St. Louis. Yeah, Colorado might have done that, but the Bruins... Traded him to Colorado for Max Talbot. And Max Talbot couldn't even get to the Bruins lineup this year unless someone was hurt. That's a first overall, that's a first round pick. So it's three first round picks in a row that Peter Shirelli has whiffed on. Three Joe Colburn, Jordan Caron, Zach Hamill. Not one plays regularly in the NHL. Not one. Not one of those players does anything significant. And it's like, I understand if they picked someone that was good and you traded them away to try and win a cup. I understand. But none of these guys are good. Tommy Cross is the only guy in 2008. 2007, nothing. 
And it's the Bruins made the playoffs in 2008, 2009, 2010. In the, in the three years following, the, so this is what I'm this is what I'm getting to. Sorry, the Bruins made the playoffs in 2008, 2009, 2010. The three years following the selections of Hamill, Colborn, and Caron, but they missed the playoffs Without the them. last two the last two seasons. Their drafting short this their drafting shortcomings have not helped. That's from Fudo Shinzawa. and I agree. In 2008, 2009, 2010, you have three first-round picks that you've taken. Even if one of them makes a, pans out and plays well, just one, at least you have one player from your system in your lineup today. They don't, All three of those players barely played for the Bruins because they couldn't hack it in the NHL. Every Bruins fan knows how Jordan Karam was. Every Bruins fan, because for some reason he kept playing and getting opportunities and couldn't do anything with them. Joe Colburn probably is a pretty much of an unknown by a lot of Bruins fans, but he doesn't... He's playing for Calgary, like I said, but he's not lighting the world on fire up there. And Zach Hamill is easily by far one of the worst first-round picks in the history of first-round picks. Easily. And then you and then you go later on to suggest, and yes, there's a lot of notable names, but none of them have really done much except for Tyler Sagan and Dougie Hamilton. They're both gone. I mean, you can throw Ryan Spooner in there. Ryan Spooner has shown a lot of improvement, but he's a second-round pick who hasn't really hit a ceiling. It's just, and then you have a quote from Don Sweeney here. It says, I've done a lot of soul-searching in how the draft was and where we got to be now. When you look around the league and you have teams that have done it and are playing well because they've drafted and developed, and I agree with that. A lot of teams have drafted and developed, and the Bruins didn't. They signed all their guys that won them a cup because their drafts were so bad. So bad that they, they didn't show faith Because they didn't show the faith in the developmental system. And that's they, on they, them, too. They, they signed Daniel Pye to extension. Chris Kelly to an extension, Greg Campbell to an extension, Milan Lucic, uh, Bergeron, Krejci, um, Martian got a little bit of an extension there. Chara Seidenberg. And if Horton didn't leave, Horton would have gotten one. It's they looked like they really didn't let anyone go, and they kept the same core intact. And the way I look at it is, Chicago won the cup in 2010, right? They had to trade half their roster. They had to trade half their roster. Andrew Ladd, Dustin Bufflin. Uh, there was a few other. Those were the big names that they had to trade. They traded both of those players. Gone. You can't. And that's what I mean. They retooled their whole system, and they found a way to get it done. And that's the thing. You can win a cup and trade people away. Bruins. It's not that big of a deal. If you trust in your skills development and drafting, you'll be able to pop right back up, like Chicago has. And look, I know they have Case. They have. They have Taze. They have Kane. It's two generation, two once in a lifetime generation talents to have on the same team, but they still have retooled their system enough where you have faith in it to trade well, you know, those guys. If go, if, you know, if Kane or Taze goes down, you have players in that lineup that can take over and fill the void for the time being. I mean, they they just traded Brandon Sod for crying out loud. He was on their first line. They traded him too. He's a young player to Columbus. It's absurd. I mean, and with that being said, we gotta still give Don Sweeney a chance because his players for, that he drafted last year, there's still there's still hope for those players. Yeah, there's definitely still. So you keep going along here, and Fudo continues and says the Bruins have five drafted and developed players that play at least that have played at least half the games: Bergeron, Krejci, Marchand, Spooner, Pashnik. Five, and then he says in comparison, St. Louis has eleven. So you see that. Uh, Blues have six more players that they've drafted and developed. How about the other teams? 
Um, hold on, let me keep going. The reading uh, from Fluto. See, and this is the, and uh, this is what bothers me too. Is everyone will be like, oh, well, like, what about uh, Lucic and Martian and, and those players? It's like, uh, the GM Scott Bradley was the GM before, and he was the one that picked in 2006, right? This is yes. just 2006. Phil Kessel, Milan Lucic, Brad Martian, all in the 2006 draft. All three of them. How can't Peter Shirelli be able to pull off something like that? And I get it. You can't project the future and look into get a you know um, fortune uh, one of those fortune tellers to tell you who's going to be good and who's not. But in that 2006, Kessel, Lucic, Marchand, all three of them played for the Bruins for significant amounts of time. All three of them are still in the NHL, playing at a high level and being significant players. It's that's what you need, and I understand that. And Peter and Peter Shirley didn't just strike out one year. It's been like three or four years where he did, he got absolutely nothing. Three or four? How about every single draft year he's had? I, yeah, you look at it, and you just uh, – it's crazy. Like, what, what Bruins age? He struck he – he struck out his entire time, and that's where – yes, the Bruins were built to win the Cup in 2011 because of what Bradley probably helped do. That's why the Bruins won the Cup. It wasn't all because of Shirelli. Shirelli screwed the team when it came to the drafting. Now look at the team now. It is uh, drafting is so important in the NHL because the NHL is the one sport that has a hard salary cap where you can't get around, you know, you can't be the Red Sox and, and pay someone thirty million dollars and not worry about it like they did. They pretty much did with Pablo Sandoval, giving him like nineteen million. But that's a story for another day about the Red Sox. But I'm just saying, comparing them to the sports, about you can't maneuver the salary cap in hockey. It's a hard cap, and the cap really goes up. It usually stays around the same thing. So you have to be smart with your assets and you have to build through the draft and have people come up on rookie contracts. And we looked at you look at it, right? What AHL player do you think is kind of pushing to be an AHL player, right? You have Vetrano, uh, Nolan Achari, you had Ferraro, who was a I'm not gonna put in Ferraro there. And you have I would say Seth Griffith and Austin Zarnick. Three of those are from Don Sweeney. Sweeney signed Vetrano, got Zarnick, and signed Achari. This, yes, you're right. And who, who who else do you look at and say from Providence that's really pushing for a job here? Seth Griffith, but he's like really the only one. Maybe maybe yeah, Matt Grizzlick in the near future. Yeah, maybe. You would hope. Yeah, you would hope. But that's the thing. You have to hope that some of these players can you know come in and push for a job. You know what I mean? And then you look at these other players from the 2015 draft, and you're hearing phenomenal things about Jake DeBrusque. You're hearing great things about Jeremy Lawson. Sinitian had a, a ton of goals again. Brandon uh, Carlo. JFK. People love JFK at BU. So you look at it and you say, I, I mean, even if Sweeney's picks don't work out, you know, obviously you're not going to win on every pick. Every pick can't be a home run. But it seems like Sweeney's picks. You're hearing things about those picks right now. And, but for, and they're making names for themselves right now. Claude, I mean, for Peter Shirelli, you didn't really hear anything. You didn't really hear much. No, you didn't. When you think about it, you really didn't hear much about the draft picks. You heard about players getting traded, but you didn't really hear much. I mean, you got Rob O'Gara. He's another prospect who could possibly make it this year. Yeah, it's just, and then, I'm um, sorry, 
I was, this is just very aggravating for me because uh, Flutel goes on and says, of the 31 drafted players under the guidance of Shirelli's watch and Shirelli's scout, Wayne Smith, Spooner is the only one who projects to be the, on the Boston roster in 2016-2017, provided the fact that he's not traded. If he's not traded, he's the only player that was drafted by Peter Shirelli's the team from 2009 to 2013 that will be on the roster next year. That is terrible. It shows you a lot about the future of the team at the moment, for the next couple of years at least. And, and people will be like, oh, well, he drafted uh, Sagan. He drafted Hamilton. Yeah, they were on, they were on other teams. Go ahead and vote for the other teams then. Yeah, I don't care. Not in the Bruins anymore. He got the two-pick from a gift from Toronto, and he didn't have to do anything for that two-pick. It was a two-player. It wasn't. I shouldn't say it's only a two-player draft, but there was two players at the top of the draft. It was Taylor versus Tyler, Hall versus Sagan. So all all Peter Shirley had to do was fold back, keep his arms folded, and see who put his feet up, relax. And once Edmonton makes their pick, the Bruins make their pick right after. He didn't have to do anything for Tyler Sagan. That was a everyone knew Tyler Sagan or Taylor Hall were going two. It was going one two. That wasn't hard. Dougie Hamilton fell to them in the draft. And, and Shirley picked him, too. And fine, yeah, he picked those two players. Cool. They're not on the team anymore. And even if they were on, still on the team, it would still only be three players in five years that would be on the team next year. Three. Three. That's horrible. And while you're sitting here talking about some sitting here, just going through that that draft from that first round, just think of other players that the Bruins could have possibly gotten that would have made a difference in that first round. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, because from what I'm seeing, you look at St. Louis who picked Jaden Schwartz at 14 and look at how well he's playing right now. Or Vladimir Tarasenko at 16. Both in that draft. You got Cam Fowler from Anaheim making a difference. I mean, are they making a bigger Are they making a bigger difference than Tyler Sagan? Well, they made it further than Tyler Sagan in the playoffs so far. It's the the thing that gets me is you see all these teams have young skilled players coming up in their system, and you look at the Bruins and you say it's not going to be for another two or three years, and that's when you got to hope. You really, it's all you can do. You can only hope because right now it's not looking that optimistic. It's literally all hope. Like, this is the... Ender Sweeney, as we, as we just said, last year, he picked Zaboral, DeBrusque, Sinitian, Brandon Carlo, Forrest Bucker Carlson, and Jeremy Lawson. Obviously, it's too early to see, like we said, if they're going to be impact players. But and Then you got Bladar and, Gab- and Gabriel, the uh, third and fourth round picks, who you still hear are making noise. I mean, the only players you don't hear about are Karen Hughes and Jake Becker. So, DeBrusque and Carlo... Will both be in Providence next year? Hundred percent, in fact. Carlo already signed. I believe DeBrusque will sign after his after his season. We'll get into that a little bit. JFK will will go back to BU and be a sophomore at BU. Still a young player, but I'm telling you, if you ever watch JFK play from BU, he's everything you can look for in a player. He reminds me of a mini Bergeron. Seriously, I I know it's high praise, and I'm not saying he's going to be Bergeron, but he plays similar to Bergeron, where he. He's out there for all the key draws, power play, penalty kill, uh, two-way center. I'm telling you, Forrest Bucker Carlson can play. I like the way he plays. 
If Sinitian and Lawson don't make the Bruins next year, they'll have to return to juniors. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. I mean, um, Zaboro is the one question mark about where he's going to be. No one really knows. I mean, I don't know. I mean, even flu. You don't. Flu you dollar. haven't heard. Mu- you haven't heard much from him. I think he was injured a lot this year too, wasn't he? Yeah, he missed a lot of time this year, which isn't good, obviously, because of the Bruins' first overall pick. Yeah, he he had thirty three points for St. John's of the uh, in 2014-2015, and then he only had twenty points this year. But also, like you said, he was hurt a lot this year. I heard he was. I heard he had a pretty down year this year. Which obviously isn't good if you want him to be the replacement and be a defensive stalwart for the Bruins in a few years to come. But I mean, he still has time. Just because he had one bad year doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. But it seems it just seems that no one knows what he's going to like. Even Fluto says he doesn't really know what he's going to be doing next year. So he can either I think he's maybe you can go back to juniors or I'm not sure. Doesn't really state that here. But I mean, he's definitely those players are obviously all talked about, and they're all from Sweeney. Everyone's saying how they have some promise, but then again, you have to ask yourself: if they struggle next year, will Sweeney even be able to get the chance to see these players develop at that point? Yeah, Sweeney could not be here. He might not. Be. I mean, that's really the only way you have to look at it. The Bruins miss the playoffs next year. Sweeney's gone, and so is the rest of that management group. All right. So, uh, do you want me to put this into perspective for you in Fl- from Fudo's column? Yep. All right, so obviously from the Bruins have draft have fi- had five drafted and developed players in 2015 through 2016 in comparison to the four playoff teams that had better results. So St. Louis has 11. Tarasenko, Bacchus, Fabry, Petrangelo, Latera, Perieko, Berglund, Dimitri Askin, Joel Edmondson, Ryan Reeves, Jake Allen have all been homegrown from – San, uh, St. Louis. Yep, San Jose. Pavelski, Marlowe, Hurdle, Vlasic, Braun, Tierney, Wingles, Nieto, DeMello. Nine. This is where it gets good. Look at Tampa Bay, right? Tampa Bay. Watch this. Watch this list right here. Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman, Palat, Kaloran, Nemestikov, Paquette, Nesterov. All incredible. How about Pittsburgh? They're all making a difference. All of them are good. It's crazy. Uh, Pittsburgh has seven. It's Crosby, Latang, Malkin, Mata, uh, Kunakel, Rust, Marc-Andre Fleury. The Bruins had five. So as you see, all those players there have more. And then if you look at it this, right? He, he, he goes on. Next year, Ryan Spooner and David Pashnik will be the only Bruins players on the team next year selected by them. From in the drafts from years 2007 to 2015. Two. Two of those players from those drafts will be on the team. They said by far the lowest, even in their division. You want So we want to go through the division too? Sure. All right, Ottawa has 10. Uh, Eric Carlson, Wilcox, Zach Smith, Borowicki, Hoffman, Stone, Zabinajad, Peugeot, CC, Lazar. And Florida has 10. Kulikov, Kudbranson, Bukestad, Howden, Petrovic, Huberto, Trocek, Matheson, Barkov, Ekblad. 
Tampa Bay, I already listed off, so you know all about them. But you, you got to factor in this too. Tampa Bay also has Drew in that will be on the team probably next year, and you got to look at that as well. Detroit the way Drew playing right, the way Drew playing right now, he'll probably be on the team. They're gonna need him. He should, yeah, he should be. He's playing like a stud. He's he's earned that. And then for Detroit, you have Brennan Smith, Gustav Nyquist, Thomas Tatar, Riley Sheehan, Peter Morazic, Thomas Yurko, Marchenko, uh, Athasio, and Larkin. Buffalo, eight. Tyler Ennis, Marcus Foligno, Mark Pisk, Zemgus Gergersons, Jake McCabe, Rasmus Ristolainen, Sam Reinhardt, Jack Eichel. Montreal has five. Pacioretty, P.K. Subban, Brendan Gallagher, Alex Galchenyuk, and Sven Arjagetto. And who was the worst team in the NHL this year? You'd say Toronto, right? Yeah. Even Toronto will have more players on there. And next year's roster drafted from that time period than the Boston Bruins. Even Toronto. And they double it because the Bruins will only have two. Toronto has four. Nazem Kadri, Morgan Riley, William Nylander, Mitch Marner. That is alarming and stunning about how bad the Bruins have drafted from 2007 to 2015. It's incredible. Yeah, but put this, but put this all into perspective, all into a big, huge perspective. How much hope do you have for the Bruins team hearing all of that going into next year? I don't feel good about this team. And I don't know what the, That's why I said this year is Sweeney and Neely's biggest and toughest year yet. You're going to talk about having to be the manipulative puppet masters to get these players to wave the no-trade clauses to be able to make moves. Do they have the balls and do they have what it takes to do it? It's going to be something. Oh. Something's going to give here. Because look at that. We just went through their terrible drafting. And how much it's made a difference. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And I don't think that Sweeney and Neely had the balls to get these players to wave the no-trade clauses and to put it out in a straightforward perspective to players like Chara and Seidenberg and anybody else has a no-trade clause that this team needs to improve. That's not, not about them. Well, a few, a few years back, I mean, I, I don't know if it was a few years back, but someone did ask Seidenberg about waving his no-movement no clause. And Seidenberg said he would. Seidenberg's the only one. He did say he would. He's like, if the Bruins don't want me, I would, why wouldn't I want to get... Why wouldn't I want to leave? You know what I mean? He w- he didn't say he wanted to leave Boston, but he was saying that if Bruins, the Bruins want to trade me, I'm not going to deny it because they clearly want to get rid of me, so I'll go to someone who wants me. Which makes a ton of sense in the which makes the most sense in the entire world. If a team asks you to move to to waive your no trade clause, it means they don't want you. So it's a good way to look at it by Sidenberg. Yeah, and Char isn't looking at it that way. If the Bruins did make it, he he wants to stay. So why would he do it? Yeah, I, I have no idea. I have, I don't know. Why would why would Tuka do it? That's what Tuka I mean. I I don't. It's it's that's why this is going to be such a tough year for Sweeney. And I know you did some research on the 2016 free agents that we'll touch on in a second here, but it's there's nothing out there. Yeah, it's not a good year for free agency. It's really not. I mean, obviously, you have Stamkos, who's probably going to be the head of the class. But that's if he even goes to free agency. You don't know about that. Tampa Bay might try and resign him. Obviously, Tampa Bay wants to resign him. But besides Stamkos, I mean, the next... For the forwards, really, there's probably more out there for the forwards than there are defensemen. There's really not much for defensemen Yeah, but I don't there. even think the forwards are really that good. I know you have Stamkos, you have Erickson, Backus, Troy Brower, and... 
Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Troy Brower or Bacchus on this team. I mean, yeah, they're not the high, huge names, but they're effort players. They're definitely effort players, but you just got to be careful with the money. And that's, that's the truth. Because I feel like Bacchus is going to want a big deal. Yeah, Bacchus could demand a big deal. But you also have Chris Stewart out there from Anaheim, too. And you've heard that name come up a lot. Yeah, Chris Stewart has been linked to uh, the Bruins for quite some time. You could go with Kyle Brodziak, who's another player who's making a name for himself in the playoffs, but he's a minimum paid player right now at 900000 Yeah, I don't think he's a – I think he's more of a depth player. But like you said, you, you could use it. You could still use depth players. Because he's got the playoff the one, experience right now. The one forward I do look at and say I think would be a difference maker, maybe if you could get him, is uh, Ocposo from the Islanders. I like Ocposo. I like Ocposo, too. He plays a tough game, tough style. I like the way he plays. I think he'd be great for Krejci if, if you could find a way for Krejci to get him, or even you put him with Bergeron and Marchand to be the muscle on the line. Uh, but the thing is, I don't, I think he's going to want like seven or $8 million. It's just like, sorry, like you can't do that. Yeah, and I mean, there's really not much of that for value out there when it comes to the ages. A lot of these players are in the mid or late 30s, and you're not going to want to go for that either. And the defense, the defense is horrible. There's not really any good defensemen out there for free agency. So, I mean, really, you, when you look at the defense, the Bruins are really, they're going to be handicapped. They need to make a trade, and that's where the uh, the draft comes in or offseason. Something's got to give, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really you, tough. You cannot go into this season having done nothing or barely made a big move. If you do that, you're going to have people calm up your heads the moment the season starts. Their big move is going to be trying to re-sign Louis Erickson. Watch that happen too. Yeah, and I'll throw I'll throw my computer off a wall if that happens. I mean, for the defenseman right now, the player that the name that stands out to me is again another player that was linked to Boston. Remember Nikita Nikita? Yeah, I do. Edmonton. Yeah. He was a big name linked. I could see the age and that, but again, he's getting paid four million. He and he's won, not. He's gonna want to get paid more. And he's not a stud. He's not. I mean. I don't think he's a top pairing defenseman. I don't think he's a one or a two. And that's the problem. The Bruins don't have a one or two. So if they go out in free agency and sign a defenseman, they're just going to make the problem even worse because they still don't have a number one. I mean, also, I'm looking down at the players that aren't getting paid much right now. Like David Schlemko from New Jersey. Pretty good depth player. Could make a difference. Getting paid 625000 right now. But really, there's not much out there when it comes to that other than that. There's really not much else. And you look at the teams that are still that are still playing in the playoffs right now, right? You have Victor Hedman, stud. Latang, stud. Brent Burns, stud. Also, they have Vlasic, who I think gets underappreciated there in, in St. Jose. And then with St. Louis, you have Petrangelo. And you even have Shatton. Again, all names that were going for Boston. You have Shattenkirk behind them. It's like all these defensemen are studs. And yet you ask yourself, how are the Bruins going to pull this off going to next year? I don't know because they can't, they don't have that number one defenseman that can play significant minutes. In, and is it really worth it keeping Tuka Rask at that point if you're not going to have a good team anyway? And you know that your team's going to struggle the next few years with what you have. I mean, does Daniel Charis in your number one right now? And that's a problem because he's not a number one. He's going to be 40. I don't know if he's number one at seven, number one at seven million. He's not number one anymore. Tuka Rask, who couldn't show up for the last game of the season. Again, he's getting paid $7 million. Get rid of them. 
you don't they don't really have much of a choice. I mean, they really can't really get rid get rid of David Krejci. He's injured. What team's gonna want him? It's yeah, it's it's tough. It's really tough. It's gonna be this is what I said. This offseason is gonna be absolutely insane. I mean, they're gonna have to be puppet masters. Don Sweeney's gonna have to make moves and manipulate, and like he has his work cut out for him. It's gonna and be, it's hard to have hope for that. But I can understand why they're keeping everybody around because at this point, I think that another job's gonna be difficult, and they're all gonna go if they don't make the playoffs next year. And there's no guarantee of that because we talked about that a few episodes back about how every other team in their division is getting better. Every team. I mean, even Montreal is going to be a lot better with Carey Price back if he's healthy. But yeah, the, the division in the in the East is getting better. You still have all the teams in the Central. Like, Washington's not going to go anywhere. Um, Pittsburgh's still going to be there. Uh, Rangers, Islanders seem to be doing all right. So, I mean, there's all teams there that Philadelphia is going to get better. Like, the East is going to be... I feel like the East is going to be like the same it was this year. Kind of wide open. You don't really know who's going to be... Like, obviously, Washington this year kind of dominated. But besides that, you looked at it, and all the Eastern Conference is pretty much bunched together. I feel like it's going to be similar. I just don't know how Boston can get better in a wide-open East. Because Boston doesn't feel like they're getting better. They feel like they're going to get worse. Yeah, they do. That's the problem. Like That's the problem right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure, They if they keep Tuka Rask, they have a fighting chance. Then what else are they doing? Yeah, to just be at the to be bottom to be bottom dwellers for the season. And then checker prices are still very high. It's crazy. It's frustrating. It's frustrating too because like you'll hear from the management like, oh, we should be competitive, we should be battling for a cup. Like, no, you're not good enough to be battling for a cup. You're not. Not even close. Not even close. But we talked about the Brusque and we talked uh, Lawson a little bit earlier. Both those players will be playing for the Memorial Cup, you said, Jason, right? I knew DeBrusque was, but you said Lawson should be back for it, right? Cause you yes, said... Lawson should be back from what I've heard on the Bruins website for news. Lawson should be back from his uh, face injury, the laceration that he had. Ooh, geez, that's a little scary, huh? Face laceration? Yes, but I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's back playing. Yeah, I'll definitely tune into that and watch Lawson play. I haven't seen him play obviously live on television. I've seen highlights, so it'll be good to see him play live on TV. Yes, I'll have to tune in for the, Memor- t- for the uh, Memorial Cup to watch it. Yeah, usually they, usually they put it on NHL Network, so... I'll keep an eye out. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep my eye out as well. And also, the NHL playoffs are still going on. Right now, you have Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh playing right now. Tampa Bay is up. No, they're down. Oh, they, were, they are down. Sorry. I'm losing my mind. I read that wrong. Pittsburgh's up 3-2, correct? Yep, 3-2, uh, 21 to shots on net 13. So it looks like Pittsburgh's dominating. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is back in net. Huge news there. Yeah, I think that's dumb. I think that's so dumb by Pittsburgh to put Fleury in net. It's dumb by Pittsburgh wins. Who's going to argue it? With that being said, in other news, Trevor Daly is out for the postseason with an ankle injury. Tough, Tough loss there. Really, really tough loss of Pittsburgh. He's been in, like, number two defenseman. He's been playing solid. He's been playing, like, 25 minutes a game. Um, tough loss there. Bishop and Vas- Bishop and Stamkos have not played either. Bishop, uh... But Stamkos, Stamkos seems like he's getting hot there. Um, I still wonder if Stamkos could come back at some point. I know, but did you see the re- there's been reports of by, like, Dreger and McKenzie saying how Stamkos 
is skating but can still miss the whole playoffs. Which I thought was kind of weird because why would he be skating then? I think he's skating for the fact that he's a possible free agent going into the uh, year and he wants to prove his value in some way. Yeah, but what, Might that, as well show us how. Yeah, but not pra- practicing doesn't do anything for that. True. So that's it makes it interesting. Because teams like, will have access to like his medical stuff, you know what I mean? So regardless of whether he's skating or not. I feel like he's trying to play and he's pushing it, but I think the team I, I, think, not the, yeah, play. I think the team and the doctors are sent, are telling them to kind of ease up a bit. But you know how NHL players are. They'll they'll play through anything if they can. I think I think it's the doctors and the team that are holding them back. That's you you're probably right about that. It is probably the doctors and the team that are holding him back for sure. But yeah, that series is tied two two. So this is a pivotal game five here tonight. Like you said, Pittsburgh is up three two. And I back to that Murray thing about why about Murray and Flurry. What? Because Flurry Murray gave up four goals last game. Tampa Bay was flying last game. They were flying. I don't think a lot of you can't place that one game on the goaltender. You got to place that on the entire team. Tampa Bay came out and played desperately. Yeah, and I don't understand why you're just pulling the kid. The kid's been playing money for you all all season long. Especially through the playoffs. Yeah, he's been, I mean, he's been money. And you put and the, look, you put him Flurry. He has two. I I have not watched the game, so I don't know how the goals were, and I'm not gonna blame it on Flurry. All I'm gonna say though is there's two goals on 13 shots against Flurry. It's not very good. I, so if Tampa gets momentum and starts playing desperate, I just don't trust Flurry. I think he's like Rask. Even though he's won a cup, he won the cup in his first year, and he hasn't won one since. And everyone knows both the. The goals that Flurry lets in during the playoffs if you follow hockey well. Yes, Flurry is definitely not the player to trust. And I think he's going to blow one for them. And I think you should go back to Murray. I don't understand. I don't get it. Oh, if the Penguins win tonight, you can guarantee that they won't go back to Murray. Just like the fact that the Blues switched to uh, Jake Allen. But see, that one I understood because Elliot struggled. Elliot wasn't. That one was understanding. Yeah, Elliot, was Elliot wasn't playing that well against the Blues. I mean, against the Sharks, sorry. The guy, he let, like, four goals in and, like, 12 shots. Just didn't, like, didn't look well. Didn't seem to find follow the puck well. And I understand that. And your team was down in the series 2-1. to one. You want momentum? Pittsburgh and Tampa was tied 2-2. And Murray's been fine all series long. Yes, exactly. And for that one game, I would not have made the change. Uh, see, you and I are agreed pull, on usually that. Usually you pull the goalie in that one game to get momentum for that game, which did they did. They pulled Murray for the third and put him flurry, and they got – Two goals and made it a game. Three goals. They yeah, no, down. Pittsburgh nearly had a huge comeback. They were down four goals and they nearly made the comeback. Exactly. So that you give them momentum. But that, that doesn't mean you stick with the backup goalie. I mean, Flurry's not really a backup. But it doesn't mean you go back to Flurry just because your team had momentum for that one game. It's a whole, whole different game. And how about Phil Kessel for the playoffs so far? He's been dynamite in the playoffs. Phil Kessel has been lights out. And he, got a, he gets a bad rep. Around Boston and Toronto for like being a slacker and not working hard and all this stuff. Being like everyone calls him Fat Phil or something along the lines of that. And don't get me wrong, Kessel is fat and Kessel doesn't work hard and he is a dog. But in the playoffs, he has a point per game average. You know that? Yes, I know that. He's got eight goals as well. And even in his career, he has a point. He's a point per game playoff performer. Point per game. Game seven against. Um, Washington, he was all over the ice. You know, the last game, he had a nice shot to get Pittsburgh going. I mean, Kessel's been... He had two goals and an assist, I think, in the, in the game last week. It's just, he's all over the place. He looks good. He's playing well. 
he's doing a lot of things this year that I haven't seen Phil Kessel do before in his in his career. And I think that's where he's got the, the uh, chemistry with Pittsburgh, and you kind of sort of wonder if Pittsburgh, if they take this game, they'll take the series in Game 7. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be something to see. But I, I both good series right now. Both uh, they're two. Both are two two. So if you're a hockey fan, there's nothing more exciting than watching these two close competitive series. You can't predict it. You know the, the these playoffs have something different than we've had in a lot of the other playoffs because you have a lot of the unknown names, a lot of the lower contracts. None of the big name players, big name contracts are really playing. So except except, except Pittsburgh, you have Crosby and Malkin. True, but yeah, Crosby and Malkin. It's definitely d- different because, like, if you watch the NHL, you know Tampa's good, but they're doing it without Stamkos. They're doing it without their goalie Bishop. But in the Western Conference, the Sharks and the and the Blues, even though they have players that every team knows, it's going to be like a first time to watch these players play for the Stanley Cup, which is pretty exciting. Because usually, yeah, and, Ma- and you have Martin Jones, who's kind of King, making Boston look Cox, same teams, all- but it's 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 crazy. It really is just the way the, these angel yeah, playoffs are played out. Don't forget Joe Thornton as well. Yep, no Joe Thornton as well, and this was this is huge for him and his career because you know he's getting older. He needs to win a cup now if he needs if he's going to get that chance. Yeah, he looks rejuvenated. He, he looks like he's playing relaxed, and I think that's the part that's maybe he's no him no longer being captain makes that difference. Yeah, I think he's not feeling that pressure like he was when he was captain. I mean, when you think about it, it really it makes it it makes a difference. I mean, you've got Couture and Patrick Marlowe leading that team, and Joe's just sitting back and playing. And he's making he's still that key pass passer in the league, and you can see it. Yeah, he's definitely doing well too. But I think putting the CM Pavelski just took a lot off his shoulders. Say he's that again, man. Do, I I just think Pavelski helps keep the load off of Jumbo Joe's shoulders. Pavelski's no, he captain. does. Pa- like Pavelski is one of the keys. But yeah, Martin Jones they're in the cup would be kind of funny if, if that happens because the Bruins did trade him away to the Sharks for a first-round pick. And not that the Bruins could have gotten more from Martin Jones. I just think it would be kind of funny because we crap on, we're crapping on Tukarask and he's going to be in the cup finals. Yeah, no, it makes Boston look bad, which is why I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the Bruins have not have not been seeming to do anything. Right, and I know we're doing a Bruins. I know we're doing a Bruins podcast. We're sitting here crapping on the Bruins. We're not making good, smart decisions and watching these other teams succeed. It's crazy. Well, the thing is that I mean, you and I are gonna tell it like it is. We're gonna tell you that if we don't agree with what the Bruins are doing. And as of right now, me and you don't know where the Bruins are going. We don't know what we. They've made some bad moves. They've made some bad draft decisions. Obviously, Fudo Shinzawa just touched on that there. Um, it's I don't know. I don't know what the Bruins are going to do. No, it's you know, you just have a hard time being happy when it comes to this team. The last two years, I don't get how you can be happy. Like, you're sitting there frustrated. I mean, we, we went through this this entire year, these first 30 episodes, and I sat back there the entire season and said, for the most part, they weren't going to make the playoffs. Nobody believed me, but I still said it. You did say it. You were you stuck true to your, your bones, and... You were honest about this team. You saw what the team, this team for what it was. And I know sometimes I'm, I get, a, I become a fan, so that's why I said they're gonna make the playoffs. They're gonna make the playoffs. But you saw them for what they were. And I watched the last game. You watched the last game against Ottawa, and you sit there and you go, "Well, they've been playing like this all season long. They've been up and down, a roller coaster, big games. They haven't showed up. 
So like, I expected them not to play well. And then when you and then you said I told I predicted this. I said you know what you're right. I I I as I watching the game, I'm sitting there saying I don't feel well about the Bruins' chances in this game. And then what are they? They didn't show up. They lost. Their inconsistency showed. And now I. Jukarath didn't show up. I mean, you knew from that last game right there that was doom and gloom. Yeah, it wasn't, automatic. He wasn't even in the building. And you knew Ottawa had nothing to play for, and you saw the way the Bruins played in the season. And I just kind of said to myself, they're going to they're gonna lose. I, I felt it. Yeah, it's baffling. It is baffling, but it's definitely going to be tough for the Bruins to figure it out. Like I, as I've been saying for months and weeks and episode after episode, this is Don Sweeney and Cam Neely's biggest year in Boston. All, all of them should be on the hot seat, including Claude Julian, who I guess gets a lifetime pass as a coach. That uh, will never get fired. And, also, and Joe Haggerty actually brought it up the other day about how uh, the Bruins could learn from Pittsburgh and maybe, I don't know, get a new coach. But that's too much of a good concept. So maybe next year the Bruins will come out struggling and suck and they'll fire them like middle of the year or something, which would be cool. But that would just mean the Bruins will, won't be playing that well again. And I, it's just I don't know how Claude Julian's still here. I don't know how I – don't, I don't know what's going on over there, and that's why you and I kind of bashed them this episode because we don't know what they're going to do next. And we have to kind of wait and see right now because there's no rumors, there's – Nothing really being reported yet. It's just tough. It's tough being a Bruins fan right now. You're in limbo. I mean, right now we're in that stage where episodes 31 and 32 are going to be about just predictions and speculation because we have nothing. We're going off of nothing from the news. There is no news. It's just, it's quiet. And that's what happens when in the NHL playoffs. The news doesn't come out around this time period because it focuses on the conference finals and the Stanley Cup. So true. So true. But... That'll conclude our episode of Bruins Beat. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at MikeSetter22 at JasonBuckley91. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Also, we're on iTunes, right, Jason? Yes, we are on iTunes at Boston Bruins Beat Podcast, and you can find us on the CLNS Radio app. Also, don't forget to check out our website, clnsradio.com. We have all the sports being covered there, Celtics, Bruins, Patriots, Red Sox, we have podcasts for all four shows. Please check them out. Everyone does a great job there. CLNS Radio will give you all you need to know about game recaps and breaking news. And they even have more sports besides just the four. So go check out our website. We will be back next week. Uh, we have some great plans for the show going forward with some hopefully some guests we've been in the works we're trying to, trying to get to. So stay tuned. I know this is a downtime for the Bruins news, but we'll be back next week with a new some of the Bruins news that we'll be having and we'll um, keep speculating on what's going to happen to come but we'll talk to you next week go Bruins go Bruins